I was reading this week about the, the man that, whose son was possessed by a, a demon, and his son couldn't talk and he couldn't hear. And um, Do you remember that story? And how um, the man said to Jesus, um, he, it, the, this demon often, when it seizes him, throws him into the fire, throws him into the fire or water, and it says, in an effort to kill him. And so Jesus' disciples were trying to, um, to cast out this demon, and they couldn't do it, you know. And, and so this man comes to Jesus, and, you know, and he, says, uh, he says, if you're able to do anything, heal my son. And Jesus questioned him. He says, if I'm able. <laughs> if I'm able. And he says, how long will I suffer with you, with this unbelieving generation? How long will I put up with this doubt or this unbelief? And the man said to Jesus, help me with my unbelief. Help me to believe. And I think sometimes that's the way we need to... Man, the Spirit of God just moving today. Wow. Sometimes we need just to call out to the Lord, help me with my unbelief. Help me. Because I, I don't have what it takes to believe. Help me to believe, you know. And I'm just reminded of that scripture that says, that if you have but a mustard seed of faith. And, you know, some years ago I passed out mustard seeds in these little packets. Do you remember that? Some of you have shown them to me recently. You still have them. But it's, they're just the tiny seeds, the things that you would find in a, a sweet pickle jar, those little ball things, right? Those are mustard seeds, and they add taste and flavor. Oh, you have one right there. I see you with it. Yeah. This little tiny thing, you probably can't even see it from where you are. It's just, just this little thing, you know. And the Lord Jesus saying, if you got, if you got that much faith, you can move a mountain. You can move a mountain and have it throw itself into the sea. And our mind's like, yeah, like that's going to happen. All right? But literally, the Lord is saying, you can do things beyond what you could ever think or imagine if you have faith. And not just any faith, all right? I'm not just talking faith in religion because... That is a very generic thing. Thanks, Faith. Or Hope. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> she needs Faith, right? Um, and, uh, but if, if we have that faith in Christ the Lord, because there's a big difference. We can have faith in a lot of different things. We came in this morning, and we, we had faith that it was going to be warm in here. All right? We have faith that when we hit the switch, the lights were going to come on. We had faith that when we flushed the toilet, well, we won't. You know. We have faith in a lot of different things. But if we don't have faith in the right thing, then that faith is just generic and it's just goodwill. But the faith in the rock, the faith in Christ the Lord is the thing that makes all of the difference in the world. And I think so many times in the world in which we are living, 
There's, there needs to be, and there is this promotion of a generic faith. That is going to do nothing. That's going to do nothing. But faith in Christ the Lord has substance to it. It has meat to it. And man, there's power behind it. There's power behind it. This book right here is the only book written that'll tell you how to live forever. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? And I'm, my physical body and yours will return to the ground from where we came. But our spirits will go on to remain with the Lord, right? Because the Bible says that if our, our spirits are in accordance with the Lord, if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of God, then He will raise up our bodies as well to be with Him in the resurrection. Praise the Lord. We are in a, a season of thanksgiving and um, what a, just a, a joyous, joyous time. You know, I've been thinking a lot these past weeks here about how our world takes away. And, and I don't think that any of these things are bad. It's, and in fact, it's fun, okay? And, and let me just explain what I mean by that. Thanksgiving is about giving thanks to God, all right? Here in America, when our, when the pilgrims, do you remember when they were um, building the colony here and they had finally made it work and they were celebrating with those that had helped them to make it work, all right? And, um, and so they celebrated with a big meal of a bunch of different things one of the things that was there was some sort of turkey or, or bird or of some sort, okay? And mostly things that they had grown, okay? And uh, which helped them to survive, okay? And so they were giving thanks to each other. They were giving thanks to God. And there is a, a definite uh, effort to take God out of thanksgiving. And it's made it all about what? Turkey. Often they don't call it thanksgiving anymore. They call it what? Turkey day. Now, is there anything wrong with turkey day? No. I look forward to that. My wife is an amazing cook. And, man, I'm telling you, I look forward to that, okay? And, and getting together with family and people that I love. And um, so there's, there's something special there, all right? It's come to mean something, I think, to many of us, that, it, that it's special, you know? And family kind of makes it special, I think, all right? But it's not about the turkey, friends. It's not about the turkey, in fact, the turkey has nothing to do with it at all. It's the giving thanks and recognizing what God has done for us. 
When we take communion, when we take communion, we are, in essence, celebrating and remembering and thanking God for what he did where? In, in Egypt, right, where they, they, God rescued Israel from the angel of death in Egypt. Do you remember that? And it is a sign, it is a uh, remembrance, it is a symbol of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And so Jesus said, whenever you do this, do this in what? Remembrance. Remembrance of me. So when we take communion, we are celebrating and remembering what Christ did and what God did in Egypt. Wow. It's not about a turkey. It's not about a meal. It's about God. It's about thanking God for all that he has done for us, friends. We're going to be celebrating Christmas pretty soon. You probably know where I'm going. And what has Christmas become as opposed to celebrating the birth of Christ Jesus the Lord. It's all about Santa Claus. Now, I like Santa Claus. I, he's a nice guy. I mean, I like his beard. I, all right. I think he needs to probably lose a few pounds, but he's, uh, he's become something that is very important and has taken away the importance and the remembrance of what Christ has done. And the focus has become on Santa Claus, not on the birth of Christ. Why is it that humans, people, want to take the most important part and make it something that is not even existent. Why, why do we do that? Yeah, yeah. Easter! Easter! Right? The bunny. I got news for you. It ain't about the bunny. It ain't about the bunny. No. It's about Christ the Lord died, gave himself as a sacrifice for you and for me on a cross. He allowed people to kill him, to torture him, and all of the sin that we have ever committed, that has been committed in the past and would ever be committed in the future, was laid upon Christ the Lord as he was nailed to the cross, friend. <laughs> and they put him in a grave that was not his because he was so poor he didn't even have a grave. But somebody offered their own to him to use. And they laid him in this tomb and they sealed that tomb. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead. 
Friends, that's Easter. That's power. That is reality. That is truth. That is meat. That is this. All right? It's not religion. It's not just a generic faith. It has substance to it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the gate, man. He's the gate. And so these things, we have allowed our focus to be stripped away from the legitimate um, focus, the center point of what is really important. It's not about the bunny. It's not about Santa. And it's not about a turkey. It's about what God has done for you and me. Now, is it wrong to indulge ourselves in these things? Is it wrong to to enjoy these things? No, I don't think so. And I enjoy them myself, okay? I enjoy the giving gifts. I I love the Santa Claus stuff. I, I, uh, I love turkey and the Easter bunny stuff and the candy and all that stuff. It is what it is, man, okay? All right? And all that stuff is fun and and can have its place, all right? But its place is like way down here and Jesus up here. All right? We've got to understand. We've got to remember and keep these things in their proper place. All right? We don't need to um, deny ourselves these things because they do bring joy, all right? They can bring joy to us. But we can't allow ourselves to be taken away from what God has done. And as we celebrate Thanksgiving, we are remembering what God has done for us. When we get together to celebrate Thanksgiving, we should, in fact, give thanks for what we are thankful for, all right? We should give thanks vocally around a table, around a room, sitting in a living room. We, isn't it right, do you think, that we should give thanks to God? And maybe just take one minute per person even to give thanks. What are you thankful for? Well, I'm thankful for turkey. Well, yeah, I get okay. All right. My kids would probably say something like that just to get a laugh or two. All right. But there's more to it than that. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my work. I'm thankful for my church. I'm thankful for my health and so on and so forth. You know, in the Bible, back in the day, as it were, David and Solomon made preparations so that people and prayer and praise were going on around the clock. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Now, listen, what would it take here at Alabama Full Gospel Fellowship, the lighthouse, what would it take for us 
to incorporate and to set up and plan for round-the-clock praise and worship and prayer. Can you imagine what that would take? How many people would that take? Probably just about everybody. All right? So everybody would have a certain shift, if you will. All right? But now if you take that and um, incorporate, well, who is who's qualified as a musician to, to be doing this sort of thing? Who, who can sing that can do that sort of thing? Who can lead in prayer and, and do all those things? So David and Solomon were making preparations for these things to happen in Israel, in Jerusalem. Man, what an effort, what planning, what numbers of people. In, in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, let's just turn there for a moment. 2 Chronicles, did you bring your Bible today? 2 Chronicles, chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. All right, I'm going to go back just one verse to 12. It says, all the Levites, which was a clan of Israel, um, let's see. All the Levites who were musicians, and then it gives their certain names, um, Asaph, Haman, Jeduthun, and their sons and relatives stood on the east side of the altar dressed in fine linen and playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. So not only were these people um, qualified to do so, they were trained in doing these things, but they were also dressed appropriately to be giving praise and honor and glory to the king of kings. Wow. Okay. They were accompanied by how many priests? 120 priests sounding trumpets. The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to do what? Give praise and thanks to the Lord. So, these people were being put to the task. They were being put to their jobs, to their um, training, and they were all putting these things to use to do what? To give praise and thanks to God. What a massive, massive effort to accomplish these things. What planning. And I even suggest to you, at what cost? How much would it have cost to make sure that all of the musicians had the proper musical instruments? What would have been a cost to have make sure that they had the proper attire for such an act? Wow. Wow. It was that important, friends. It was that important to, to take time to plan it, to assign people to a certain job and to certain tasks, and to make sure they had the right stuff, to make sure they were playing the right songs. Wow. Wow. I think of all that we go through here, and Brother Bill puts a list together every week, and then we come Wednesdays, and 
We spend an hour or so practicing, and then again another hour on Sunday mornings preparing for worship and praise, and sometimes we feel like, oh man, we really did our thing. Yeah? I, I, just, I mean, it, there's nothing compared to this. Think about what that would be like to have this church open all the time so that people could come in and pray whenever they wanted and that there was music going around the clock to lead people in praise and worship. You know, there's a few places like that around the world. Literally. Wow. What would it take to do that? In Nehemiah chapter 12, verses 46 through 47, for long ago in the days of David and Asaph, now remember, Asaph was one of the names that was listed in the Second Chronicles scripture here, a leader of the music. For long ago in the days of David and Asaph, there had been directors for the musicians and for the songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. So in the days of Zerubbabel and of Nehemiah, all Israel contributed to the daily portions for the musicians and the gatekeepers. They also set aside a portion for the other Levites, and the Levites set aside a portion for the descendants of Aaron. So they're making preparation so that everybody's got what they need to worship and praise the Lord. If we look into the New Testament in chapter Uh, 4 of Philippians, if you will turn there with me, it says, do not be anxious about anything. If we just stopped right there, this, this is the word of God, friends, for you and for me. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't let it worry you. It says, do not be anxious about anything. So it gives the command, and then it says, it backs it up. It says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with what? Thanksgiving, present your requests to God. All right? So, so there's a certain way that we are supposed to handle worry and anxiety and fear. We are to cast it upon the Lord. We are to trust in the Lord, and it even gives with what, uh, it even gives a recipe, if you will, for how to do this. But in every situation, by prayer, okay, so notice how that started. So we start with prayer where there is anxiety. We start with prayer. Petition means bringing it to God. So we're petitioning, we're asking God with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Now, why would you have thanksgiving if you're asking for something? You come with prayer and petition with thanksgiving because you are believing that you are going to receive what God is going to give you. You're going to receive what you are asking God for. So when we couple those things together, prayer and petition and thanksgiving, that has a way, when you're thanking God, it has a way of draining away the worry and the fear. Thank you, God, that you care about what I'm bringing to you. 
Thank you that I can trust you with this most precious and worrisome situation. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then it gives this promise. It says, and the peace of God. Now, isn't that what we are wanting in these situations? Instead of anxiety and fear and worry, which saps our appetite, our strength, and our health, right? The Lord is saying, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. So what's that, what that's saying is, and the peace of God that we can't even comprehend, that only He has the right to give it. This kind of peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So it's like a, you're putting on armor, friends... As in Ephesians 6, right? It talks about the armor of God, all right? When we are feeling that, that worry, that anxiety, that fear, we bring those things to God and with, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving. What a recipe that is. And the God who can give this peace that's beyond all of our understanding will give us that peace that's going to guard and protect our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So we are clothing ourselves, in a sense, with this armor over our minds and our hearts so that we don't worry when we bring our requests to God by prayer and petition and thanksgiving. Too bad you can't give that out in a bottle. I'll give you another scripture or two, and then we'll close here. Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. I'll start in 15. It says, let the peace... Poor Bill, he probably hates it when I do that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give a scripture, and then I'll say, well, I'll start with it. One right before that, just when he gets it up there looking all nice and purdy. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, just as members of one body were called to peace. And be thankful. Be thankful. See, I had to get that thankful in there. That's why I did it. So when, when I said the 16 and 17 and went back to 15, there was reason for that. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ, some, word, some versions say that the word of Christ, dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Friends, that's the way we should show up every single Sunday. Every time we're together, that should be the way that we come before the Lord. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all kinds of psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all 
in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Jesus. We are not called to be anxious people. Let's face it. The world in which we live in can cause you to be anxious. Can it not? You watch the news, it'll make you anxious. But the Bible commands us, don't be anxious. Be anxious for nothing, it says. But by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And that peace that only he can give will clothe your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you stand with me? Some of you I may not see before Thanksgiving. We had a great meal last Sunday, wasn't it? Man, thank you everyone that contributed to that. We, it's always just a special time to be together and enjoy each other and uh, enjoy great food and um, just fellowship together. As you are gathering with your families, what would it take for you to plan, as David and Solomon did, to give thanks to God? Maybe just a simple word, something that really means something from your heart, you know. Not just things like thank you for turkey and stuff like that, right? But really thanking God from your hearts for things that he has done. Remembering, honoring him, acknowledging him. What would it take to incorporate that? And if you haven't already, maybe even starting a tradition where while you're around the table or while you're relaxing in the living room, to just take a few minutes to give honor and glory to God. He deserves it. Amen. Lord, we just come before you today and with outstretched arms and thankful hearts, we honor you and acknowledge you today and all the things that you have done to bring us to the place where we are today. We thank you for our health, though it's not perfect. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for dying on the cross for us, Lord. Father, we pray that we would remember what you have done and that we would testify and give thanks for the things you've done in our hearts and our lives. Be glorified in us, Lord, wherever we go and whatever we do. May we, re we represent you to this world. In Jesus' name, amen.